0: As you guys all know, I love Christmas. You know that about me. This was me with my friends. I love Christmas. And there's lots of things to love about Christmas, and that's not what my message is about today. Although I do love putting my Christmas tree up on the 1st of November, which everyone should do. That's actually the new normal now, so if you're not doing that, you need to get on it. But 1st of November, and I I love the season, I love hanging out with family, all the things. But when it comes down to it, Christmas is not about all those things. And we know that, right? We know that Christmas is really about the greatest miracle that the world has ever seen. And so today, I get the privilege and the joy to lead us into Christmas. Now Mark, I've let him do Christmas Day because I just, you know, I'll be too excited. So I gave that to him. But I get to have the pretty one, and if you were here last year, Uh, I went on a bit of a journey uh, for Christmas. So every year around Easter and Christmas, we do this, right? We stop and we reflect on Jesus and what he did. And maybe we should do it more often. In fact, we probably definitely should do it more often. But at least we have these moments in our year that we stop and we celebrate him. And it's important, I guess, for us to know that this isn't a new message. That today I'm not going to share something you didn't know. At least I hope you, you knew this stuff but what I want to do is excite us again and amaze us again and see the wonder again of what God did through Jesus what the plan was from the very very beginning there is no oh man things got stuffed up and oh God's up there worried about what happened, no there was, that was never happening God always had a plan and his plan was always Jesus And we see through the Old Testament, time and time again, these prophetic words that said, the Son, my Son, is coming. And so today we get to go through those times and relive what they would have seen as crazy, I can't believe that's going to happen to reality. So I've called the message today, Jesus Foretold. I guess that just sounds fancy, but it's really just the Old Testament prophecies and the New Testament fulfillments. So... Are you ready? Yeah. Good. I will also like to say, just before we get going, that I personally enjoy these studies. And I hope you guys do too, because I think it's really important for us to, to go through the Old Testament and try to understand what so many of the things that they were saying meant. We look at prophetic things and we go, wow, that's so lofty, I wonder what that means. But if we stop and actually study the words, it becomes so clear. And the Holy Spirit inspires His word, Right. That's my prayer for you guys today. That as we're reading Scripture, it doesn't just sound like words, but Holy Spirit inspires the words. I also know that you guys know that I love reading big chunks of Scripture. I just think it's so important that we just spend heaps of time actually in the Word and let it do most of the work. So I'll I'll read the Scripture and then I'll try to fill in the blanks, but I think the Scripture can do it all itself. So number one. The first... Prophetic statement. A descendant of Abraham would bless all people. There were 18 centuries before Christ's birth. 18 centuries. God told Abram, the father of the Jewish nation, this what he said. All people on earth will be blessed through you. Right back in Genesis. All people on earth forever will be blessed through you. We know Jesus fulfilled this in Matthew 1, verse 1. It says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew uh, 1, verse 17 then goes on and says, The detailed genealogy of Christ from Abraham, formerly Abram, to Joseph, the husband of Mary. So, in verse 17, it says this. Thus, there were 14 generations in all, From Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile of Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Hmm, significant. This number 14. I believe nothing in scripture is an accident. I believe God does nothing accidentally. And if you look into the number 14, there's a few studies there on why this 14 number is important. I'll keep it simple for today. The actual Hebrew Hebrew translation of 14 is... I'm probably going to butcher this. Yod Dalet. Did I butcher it? Did anyone know? No one knows. Fine. It actually means Pat. Is it right? Pat would know. She lived there. It means release and deliverance. Release and deliverance. You think about all those moments that we just talked about there. Going through scripture. Babylon the exile, all these things. There were moments of release where God went, you know what, you have made your decision. You have chosen your way. I will release you. And then he delivers them. He releases them by their choices and then delivers them. And here we are with Jesus. He has released them to their own decisions and then he says, but I will deliver you with my son. If you've read through Kings or Chronicles recently, You would know this prophetic fulfillment is actually a crazy miracle, because all the kings, oh man, they stuffed up so many times. In fact, you would—if you read them recently—you would get used to reading the words, "And King so and so did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord." Like really, and they set up poles to worship, and all these things going on, and it's like this and that, and then eventually. They die, and you go, phew, good. A new king, this will be good. And king so-and-so does what is evil in the eyes of the Lord. And you're like, ah, you can't get it right. There are a couple that make it. You would know that those ones are celebrating. But over and over again, we see kings fail. Kings choosing to leave the poles up and the sacrifices going on. They're weak leaders. So for an actual bloodline to go through all of that time and make it through to Joseph, to Jesus, is a really big deal. So to sum it up, Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. He came to earth as the promised Messiah. He showed his glory through miracles and other things. Died an innocent death on a cross. Rose from death to life. And all people on earth are blessed because of the one who came through Abraham. So fulfilling, prophecy number one. Number two, the Messiah would come from the house of David. Now this second prophecy I know sounds very similar to the first one. I get it. House of David, we just talked about that. But it is worth sharing this prophecy because it's from a different prophet. Outlining a very similar outcome or fulfillment. So why are we putting this out? Have you ever received a prophetic word from somebody and then received a same prophecy from a different person? Anyone experienced that? In my life, I've actually received the same prophecy from three different people in three different nations. And I was like, hmm, I think God's telling me something. And I do wonder whether that's the same thing that's going on here. Different prophets hearing the same message from the same God with the same coming Messiah. It's almost like it highlights and goes, look at this. Watch out, this is coming. Let me read it to you. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteous Savior. Heads up. The fulfillment of this prophecy takes 600 years. Now, I would assume people would have heard Jeremiah and gone, all right, I'll believe it when I see it and then everyone's dead, and then everyone's dead, and then everyone's dead. And they're like, he must have missed it. He must have got it wrong. But it's the second prophecy that says the same thing, so maybe he wasn't wrong. Of course we know he wasn't wrong. But it took 600 years for the angel Gabriel to turn up, and we know this moment, but I'm going to read it because it's pretty cool. Gabriel turns up and says to Mary, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. An amazing moment, right? Huge moment in history where a woman is just hanging out in her house and then an angel turns up and says some pretty amazing things to you. I think it's really also important to understand that what the angel said to mary wasn't off in no man's land it wasn't a, a weird random thing for her to hear these prophetic words had been in circulation the old testament was in circulation now she would have had a bible but she would have heard about this bible so the words that were spoken to her she would have gone i know this i know this prophetic word actually I, this word's been spoken twice, and I, I know this is a coming thing. Could it be me? Could it be in my line? It makes you wonder if she got to thinking and went, Well, it could be in my line. My husband, Joseph, is a line. He, she would have known that. These guys knew their history, not like us. They knew who they're they from, where they came from, and what line they were from. It was massive. I think it's really important here but I just add in a section that maybe gets overlooked. This was Joseph's line. Joseph's line. Why is this important? Okay, I want you to hear me right here, friends, because I, I could... Um, I don't want to be controversial for no reason. That's just silly. But we all love Mary, don't we? Like, everyone talks about Mary. It's... There's a lot of love for her. I mean, some people make it more about Mary than even Jesus. We, we do give Mary a lot of time. And I feel like Joseph kind of gets overlooked in this moment. We obviously know that in the future, we don't see a lot more of Joseph. We, we assume he died somewhere in that journey, but we don't really talk much about Joseph and his involvement in this moment. But I want to just say it again. Joseph was the line of Abraham. If Joseph didn't Mary, Mary. This prophecy wasn't true. God planned Joseph. Joseph wasn't an add-on dad on the side because you need the dad there. He was purposed. He was just as chosen as Mary was. He was foretold from the beginning of time that he would be the father of Jesus. It's pretty amazing. Okay, number three. The Messiah would be born of a virgin. So, this one's around 700 years before fulfillment here. So again, a bit of a break here from Isaiah's prophetic word here, but this is what he said. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. All right, so let's give Mary a moment here. This is pretty amazing. This prophetic word was obviously (laughs) kind of crazy. Never happened before, right? That a woman would just conceive and also just conceive the Son of God. Big deal. Mary was chosen. She was purposed. This was a special deal for her. But I want to just shout out here because again, I know you guys know the story of Mary, but I I wanted to shout out the fact that just because God chose Mary, didn't mean that Mary was on Cruise Street now. Do we often do that? We think because God's told you something or you feel something in your heart that it's going to be easy from there? <laughs> this was the very opposite from Mary. The very opposite. God says, Yes, I choose you. Hey, Joseph, I choose you. Cool. Guess what? We're going here. It's about to get really rough. If you guys know anything of the history of those times, when you were betrothed, you couldn't hang out with the person you were betrothed with until you were married. It was a separation for a bit. So the fact that she was pregnant was even more scandalous because they shouldn't even be hanging out. This is crazy. We know that everyone judged them. We know the village wouldn't have loved them. There was so much going on there. I won't go into that today. But I want to say that what Mary did so well, and Joseph, was they were reminded of the prophetic word that God gave them. They held on, and they moved forward. They held on and they moved forward. Now, really important point here, holding on and moving forward doesn't mean doing in your own strength. They held on to God. They moved forward. They held on to Him and they moved forward. And God's hand was in it all. For example, Joseph wasn't super stoked, really, was he, at the start of this situation. He's a man. Like most men, I don't think we respond much differently to him. Now, church, I, I want to say this because I can be a bit tough on the men sometimes. It's because I guess I'm one of you, so I'm allowed to. But we're sometimes a little slow on picking up what God's putting down <laughs> spiritually. Sometimes the ladies get there first, and they're like, "Come on, get there!" You know, the amount of times that's happened in my life is too too numerous. I do get there. It just takes a little while. But I think Joseph would have been there for sure. Mary's stoked, right? Emotionally, like, I have been chosen. Amazing. This is so cool. And Joseph's like, ooh. I'm actually thinking I'm going to tap out. I'm thinking this is probably not a good idea. And I get that. But God had a plan for Joseph. And he had a plan for Joseph to be the spiritual father of that home. Which is good for me to hear too. That sometimes even if I don't hear spiritually first, I will get there. Because God has me as a spiritual leader of my family. That's for all of us men in the house. We may not get there first, that doesn't mean we don't get there. And once we get there, we take the lead as a spiritual leader of our family. So now Joseph is preparing to leave Mary and the angel of the Lord shows up and says this. Joseph, son of David, big deal, hey? Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him which means God with us. So Joseph gets his moment and he lines up with Mary. As was was prophesied, the Virgin Mary conceived from the Holy Spirit and gave birth to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I think we could spend a bit of time on that conception moment. That's amazing and a miracle in itself, but I think we'll let that one just sit and just be amazed by that. That God can make all things possible through himself. Number four. The Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Micah gave this, this one in the Old Testament. This is what he says: But you, Bethlehem, through, I'm going to get rid of that other word because I don't know how to say it. Which I go to speech impediment. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel. For those, from, sorry, whose origins are from the old, from ancient times. So before Jesus was born, we know what happens here. Caesar or Augustus decides, I want a decree. I want to make sure I know where all my people are at. So everyone come to where you were born. Sign on and say, I still live there. Okay, so everyone's going everywhere. People are going crazy. Joseph goes, well, I've got to go back to where I'm from. So Joseph, from the town of Nazareth, goes to Galilee, to Judah. This is a great part of Scripture. Let's go to Luke 1, 1.17 here. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judah, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Do you love the point of this Scripture sometimes? It's almost a bit like, yeah, yeah, so they had to like travel a bit, and they just went there, and it, just, oh, it was time to have a baby, so they had one. It's so just like, Oh, that's easy. But have you ever like, stopped and put flesh on it? Like, how would that be? What was that journey like? What did that look like? I mean, the scripture doesn't really go into it very much, but we, we don't even know how Mary traveled. We assumed by donkey. That's not a very comfortable travel by donkey, and it's slow. The travel from where they were going to where they, where they were, to where they were going, is around four days, three nights, That's not like just heading up the road to sign on. It's a big journey. (laughs) This would be nesting time for Mary, right? She's about to have a baby. Historians believe that there would have been three nights probably slept under the stars, roughing it. No plan of even when they get there, where they're going to stay, just going. That's rough, eh? Even if they did find accommodation on the way, it wouldn't be nice, this wouldn't be fancy. This, this part of the story for me, when I put flesh on it, just feels so real. I mean, else three weeks away from being a baby. If I decided today to take her to a fair and go, we're gonna do it right? She'd be like, what? No, disgusting. How about I say, we're going to go on a spontaneous holiday, babe. I'm not even going to plan where we're going to go. We're just going to go. No. I want to stay at home. I'm nesting. sitting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? And here they go. And I go, and again, I'm putting the flesh on this, but these guys knew God had told them. So it's not like they're going for a holiday. They knew they had to go. But what I am saying is this is not fun times. This is just a quick journey up the road and we're signing on. This is tough. This is really tough. Yet, we can't rationalise what God plans and God ordains. God planned that Mary, a baby, in a manger. Now again, think of this moment. You would think if God told you, you were about to have the Son of God, that all the doors would fling open. You just turn up somewhere and then, oh, please, come in, yes, take a seat. Oh, yeah, we've got, we got a few beds. That's the most beautiful bed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is God's son. You would expect that. But what we see is the very opposite. That every door is shut. That every easy path is closed. And yet God was in it all. There was significance in this moment. There was significance in them being told no everywhere they went. It was significant for them to be born or be in a manger, for Jesus to be born in a manger. Again, if you look into the manger and significance, there is a few things there, but what is simple is he was born in humble circumstances, showing that this king would be available to all people. Not living it up, not out of reach, but right there, normal, available to us all. So Jesus fulfills the prophecy of Micah being born in Bethlehem. Now these next two prophecies, they kind of overlap a little bit. Let's, Let's go for it. Number five, the Messiah would be called out of Egypt. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son, Isaiah. So at that time, King Herod ruled Palestine. Again, for those who are familiar with the story, we know King Herod was very insecure. Not just like that little bit like He's cooler than me. I feel weird about that. But like, kill all my family because they could possibly take my kingdom one day. That kind of insecure. So, men turning up and saying, there's a king about to be born. Yeah, didn't go well. He wanted everyone to die. He wanted everyone out of the way. He felt threatened. So what did the angel of the Lord do? He warned Joseph and Mary. He said, guys, get out of here. Get to Egypt and hide for a while until this king is dead. And after he died, then they could return to Nazareth. It is difficult for us to work out exactly how long they were in Egypt. An interesting one, though, is the timing got a little bit messed up here, but King Herod died in 4 BC, and it's assumed that actually Jesus was born in 4 BC. So it's possible that Mary and Joseph and Jesus actually were hiding in Egypt for maybe just months. It wasn't really long periods of time. Again, the the way they work out, the timing is a bit interesting. I thought it gives a bit bored at the start, but 4 BC is where it is, so I'm just going to trust them. And if I'm wrong, then don't talk to me afterwards about it. But I'm pretty sure that's what it said. I did a bit of research, promise. So Herod died in 4 BC, then they returned back. But for this period of time, they were out of Israel and in Egypt, and it just so happens that that's a fulfilment of Scripture. Surprise? Don't think so. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son, Matthew II. So as I mentioned, the second second point kind of collides with this one. But number six is there would be a loss of children's lives. Now, gonna stay with me here. It gets a little complicated, but I reckon you can handle it. So the old prophet, the old testament prophet, wrote this. This is Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning a great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now, if you read Jeremiah, especially this chapter, in context, you would know this is not necessarily about Jesus. This particular moment is about the people being exiled to Babylon. All the families being ripped apart, great exile, great heartbreak. Jeremiah is writing about this moment in Israel being a horrible day for them, which is actually the truth. They were taken away and there was great warning. Rachel is represented as mothers of Israel. So again, not particularly talking about Rachel, but the mother is the context for that. So when Matthew uses this passage and actually refers back and says, this is what's going on. We're talking about Jesus now. What's actually happening is Matthew is seeing an even closer parallel. So, Jeremiah's scripture has a two-fold part to it. That one time it is about the exile, and the second part is about Jesus. Pretty crazy. It's even interesting that it says about Rachel that she was mourning for her children in Ramah. The reason why that is written, or why they can translate it again this way, is because... Rachel was actually buried right there near Bethlehem. So the context was that he believed that Rachel would be mourning in her grave that this would happen again to the children. The kind of overlap conversation of like, this is what Jeremiah meant, but he's writing, Matthew's going, but it also means this. I know, heavy, isn't it? But if you really look into it, it's quite an amazing scripture because this prophecy has a twofold anointing on it. Jeremiah foretold the atrocity, that occurred after Herod obviously decided that I'm so insecure I've got to kill all the babies. So this morning they're talking about is all children under two who had been killed, all men, boys killed under two. It says in Matthew 2, 16, 18 He gave orders to kill all the boys of Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Then what was said to the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. So Matthew confirms this Anointing. this scripture has a two-fold on this moment here. Pretty cool. Number seven, our last one. The Messiah will be called a Nazarene. I left this one to, to laugh because <laughs> this one's also a little tricky. So after the death of Herod, Joseph, Joseph and his family do return to Nazareth, as we know. And according to Matthew 2, 23, it says, So was it filled that was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Okay, so we read that and go, cool, it was said by the prophets, and he'll be called Nazarene. You can't find that scripture in the Old Testament that says he'll be called Nazarene. It doesn't actually exist. So what is going on here? Why is he saying this is a fulfillment of the prophecy that he'll be called Nazarene? Because we know he does get called Nazarene, right? Like, we see that. We know that actually does happen. But he was writing this before all that happens. So, this is, and I do this every time I preach, so this is not new, homework. This is your homework, is to discover this, because I did a bit of research, and it's actually a combination of three scriptures. And as these three scriptures are read, you understand the context of this. Matthew knew this. He understood the Old Testament scriptures. He understood what was going on and what they were saying. So this is 100% a fulfillment of the prophecy that he would be called Nazarene, but it's not word for word. Isn't it interesting that the scripture often says that to us? That if you actually need, you need to search the word, the Holy Spirit needs to uh, enlighten us because it's not as simple as sometimes just reading words. Reading words sometimes is too easy, too easy. God wants to show up his love and his life and his power through the word of God, but we have to search it out. So that's why I give you homework. So you do that. So friends, next week is Christmas. Christmas. A very special moment for all of us, but the most important moment in history for the world. But I hope as you enjoy this moment this year, that you don't see it as just a day that Jesus was born. I hope you see it as a fulfillment since the beginning of time. That when God planned the earth, he planned for his son to come here. Incredible, really. Miraculous, really. And that his son wouldn't just be a baby just to come to earth. But we know the rest of the story to change our lives forever, to give us hope in the future, to conquer sin and death. So don't just celebrate the baby. Don't just celebrate the manger. Don't just celebrate that Go back from the beginning of time and know that this was foretold. It was God's good plan to show us His love and His power through His Son. Band, I'd love you to come and join me on stage. Can we sing? Uh, oh, come let us. Thank you. we we'll get you guys to stand to your feet. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we are so thankful for you. I'm so thankful that you came to earth for us to break what was the power of sin and the power of death. You broke all those things to give us love and hope. And I pray for all these families that are here today, ah, Father, we just sense your love and your hope over this season. That the busyness and the stress and the shopping and all those things really do fall way down and that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us. That you would show us how much you love us individually. That your birth, your death, was so we would know you and love you. We thank you for the power that you are. That you're not a baby, that you're the most powerful in the whole world. And we have access to you. What a miracle.